Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of the Red River Horror Podcast. I am your host, Joe Zakreski. Joined with me again is the creator and founder of RedRiverHorror.com, Eddie Kayazo. Hi, Ed. Hello, Joe. All right, we got a fun one this week, so you want to fill in what, what people are about to hear? Yes, yeah, so we actually got to catch up with Andrew Meekum, Matthew Whedon. I spoke with these guys at the very beginning of quarantine. They had released a film called Behind You. Mm-hmm. Very excited. I enjoyed the film a lot, as you'll hear, but they came up with something else, and I kind of I wanted to get in their heads a little more. I was in a very weird state at the beginning of quarantine. I think we all were. With sure, COVID. absolutely, yeah. A lot of uncertainty. Yeah. So let's head now to our interview with writers, directors, Andrew Meekum, and Matthew Whedon. All right, sounds good. Enjoy, everybody. And everybody, welcome back to the Red River Horror Podcast, episode four. So happy you're joining us. And with us on the line today, we spoke to him at the very beginning of quarantine. Uh, there was a film called Behind You that was just released, Joe, uh, that was released back in April. Right. Um, so... I reached out. I, you know, was kind of on a. I, I didn't know if they were going to be like, uh, no way. We definitely don't want to do another interview. But the film behind you became very important to me because throughout this, like when we were like three weeks into the quarantine at that point, and I was feeling just kind of like beat up, defeated. Yeah, things like that. So yeah. a note for this film came along. I watched it. Very much put me in the fall, in the horror sense of style that I like so much and mm-hmm. and I got to speak to these guys so I want to welcome back well for the first time they'll be hearing on the podcast Andrew Meekum Matthew Whedon gentlemen welcome back thank you thank you hi it's nice to be here to see you so a little a little background they wrote and directed the film behind you. you yes and uh I just wanted to so now that we've got a little bit of time in between the last time we spoke how was that experience from, you know, people getting to see it VOD in the beginning of quarantine to now? Uh, I would say little to no change. Now <laughs> and it was fun and, and uh, it was fun to have people see it. But uh, the quarantine uh, situation is, as for everyone, has been a little bit special in that. Uh, yeah, I can literally tell no difference. I, it, it's it's like we just. It's like when you show some a video that you like on YouTube or something to your a few friends, and it's like it's a scene, and then uh, life goes back to normal, and you're just kind of in your own little bubble again. And it's it's great. It's great to have it out. Um, it did affect, unfortunately, the release of it. So it was supposed to be there was supposed to be a wider theatrical release in some places in the world, and that got shut down, unfortunately. Well, yeah, I mean, actually postponed. Yeah, yeah, um, it did. So a few places got got uh, just completely canceled, as with a lot of you know, films that have come out recently or were going to or whatever. But um, but yeah, we still have uh, actually an encouraging for us. Uh, there is there are quite a few theaters that will in countries that will be showing it theatrically. You know, once things kind of return to normal, so uh, I'm grateful that they're just kind of pausing on that and not just not canceling. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that'll be fun. I think once once things kind of can pick up and people can, with some degree of confidence, probably lower numbers go to some theaters, um, then they'll release it. That's interesting. So, are, are you? So you're saying you do have the opportunity then to kind of put, like, press the pause button, and now when things start opening up, we will be able to actually see behind you in theaters as intended. In, in those, I mean, Latin America, yeah. uh, so, so here, no, I mean, here it was completely, it was going to open up in, in a pretty small theatrical release here in theaters, but, um, but there were going to be some, you know, I and, gotcha. uh, mm. around the country and this, and then, yeah, unfortunately that just got pretty much canceled because I mean in terms of what the distributor um, our distributor had vertical uh, entertainment was you know much of their play financially was just VOD and the yeah. digital platform so to them it didn't make a huge difference uh, which you know, they talked to us about and that made sense so you know we said yeah well, obviously we're okay but just just get it out there and release it rather yeah. than wait for a few theaters you know 
Absolutely. Well, it is, I mean, it is out there in the world. I mean, I guess it kind of, it struck a chord with me because I really, I, I really enjoy that kind of filmmaking, the style that you guys went for. I think I, I picked up on what you were putting down uh, with the film itself. So it, it impacted me in, in the style that it was made. And I just kind of wanted to, when we first spoke, you had talked about that, like Pepper's ghost technique and you know, there's a lot of people doing like practical effects and things like that. And I, I guess selfishly, I'd, I'd like to know if you could expand upon that to, to make, cause there's people who definitely aspire to make the quality of film that you made with behind you. So can you just like, kind of walk me through that process? Trying, you're trying to steal our secrets. Oh, <laughs> I knew it. Right. I knew well, it. Well, it's a secret that we stole from someone else. Yeah, right. right. It's not a very big secret, actually. It's, <laughs> it's pretty simple, the, the actual technique itself. Um, you want to you wanna go through it, Andrew? Oh, yeah. I'm, it's, um, it's, it's just basically used. I mean, the, the most famous example, the one I think that's easiest to bring up is is it that everyone's seen probably is a ride at Disneyland when they have the dancing ghosts. You know, you're over like a kind of this balcony-ish thing and then there's this party sort of thing going on. People eating dinner, I think. Anyway, there's a table. It's like yeah. a mm-hmm. area, ballroom area. Uh, and then, you know, there's some dan- there's some dancing ghosts. But they, they're, and they're actually, what's that word? You can see through them. What's the word for that? Uh, translucent. Uh, yeah, translucent. So, um, yeah. So the way you get that effect is you are actually shooting, I wish I, I should have done a little diagram, but you're actually shooting a, uh, through a piece of plexiglass and it's angled in such a way that you, um, so if the camera's where I am looking here, and the plexiglass would be not straight on, it's angled sort of like this, and then you have your actor maybe over here. Um, and then so what, the effect that that has is uh, uh, you actually are shooting a translucent figure. Uh, (laughs) And we thought, okay, well, since we have no money for VFX, if that wasn't apparent from what you already saw, uh, (laughs) and we have, uh, we can afford a $400 piece of plexiglass. (laughs) So let's try to do it that way. Wait, we paid 400 for that? Well, we returned it. No, just joking. We didn't. Uh, And, and, uh, actually, I think we gave it, I think, uh, I think our producer took it. That was part of his pay. (laughs) Uh, That's a real story. Uh, so he, um, so it's kind of cool because I mean, it it really does give, give that effect that, you know, honestly, it's probably really easy to do digitally, but I think at least for that scene where we really, spend the time to do that right um i think it paid off in some ways i mean there's there's a sort yeah. of authenticity to how it feels really natural to that environment because the light that is hitting you know and that's always such a big difficult thing in, in vfx and an expensive thing is to get the lighting and the shading and everything just right you know um and, and so, you're uh, seeing it you're seeing it a mirror too so it gives yeah. it a reflective quality you're essentially shooting a reflection so it just fit well with the mirror. So the time we use it is when she's looking in the mirror and the, you first see the creature coming out. And yeah, it just it's pretty subtle, but it just gave it a kind of ethereal, not quite you know solid quality that was that looked really kind of cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like uh, we said before, we we would have liked to use it more than that, but it was cumbersome and difficult to shoot especially in a small area with that huge piece of plexiglass so it was just, it was tough to do it the whole time yeah yeah, yeah. i mean uh, there are times later when you see a reflection of the uh, human and it's it's just a straight reflection uh, at times uh, we, we told the cinematographer we wanted to do it every time and he almost he almost just walked off i think uh, <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, though, he did say, "So glad we did it on that, on that, on that shot." Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, more time, more money. I think it would have been fun to do that. 
That technique originally was used by magicians in the 19th century to create like ghosts on stage in stage performances. So that's really the origins of it. Yeah. Yeah. Disney stole it. (laughs) From those guys. As they do. We we were, we were talking, it's funny. We did a, we did a, uh, a podcast on one of our favorites, Phantasm. And didn't know that Captain Phasma, Joe actually dropped the bomb when we were talking about it. Uh, Captain Phasma is like J.J. Abrams kind of owed to Phantasm because, you know, he he restored the film and did the 4K recut and all that stuff. And I didn't know if maybe George Lucas had stolen the Jawas from, you know, how Phantasm, like tall man, cuts the people in half and makes them kind of his servants. (laughs) I think... (laughs) <laughs> I think that came out to be a coincidence because, like, Phantasm got released later, but that was just from distribution issues. Even though it was filmed before, yeah, uh, A New Hope, or the you know just Star Wars. So George, in, in short form, George Lucas stole the uh, stole the Jawas, and uh, Disney stole Pepper's Ghost. So that's okay. that, that's our story. <laughs> that's our story, and we're sticking to it. One of the secrets of of filmmaking is everything is stolen <laughs> yeah. and everything's been done in some way or some form or other. It's really more how you put it together, you know, absolutely so what elements you choose to put together, but every, everything's been done in some way, you know, it's rare that you see anything. I don't think anything's totally new, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, so you both made, I mean, a pretty, I think like an enjoyable horror film using a lot of that kind of like, I like, um, Andrew, you had called it kind of a grating, like G, I think G R A T I N G, when we had spoken before, and I I picked up on that organically watching the film before we had even spoken about that. So that's kind of the style that I like. Do you think in when you made uh, both you and Matthew made um, behind you? Did you come up with a style that you're going to be using now moving forward, or do you think you just want to do something? completely different well that's that's a uh, a good question because um I, that i don't have a, a <laughs> one clear simple answer for it because i think the answer would be both i mean we i think as we mentioned uh we've already shot another film and we're in the yep. middle of, of releasing that one. And that one I would say in many ways is similar, is very similar. Um, from a storytelling aspect, I think, you know, while it's obviously an entirely different story, I, I think the way that it's told is pretty similar. I, I would I would also probably describe it as rating and it and and a slower build. Uh I think Matt and I both like that yeah. that style of something that builds slowly. I really enjoy stories that you are introducing something fantastic in it, some sort of fantastic element, but you approach it from a pretty grounded way and, and you get there. You know, if I just to use an example in behind you, I don't know if it was a popular thing, but one of my favorite things in the movie is the, the, the peanut butter exorcism because it's such a it's such a, a simple way that we could make up that exists right now that you could approach uh, something pretty crazy and fantastic like a demon exorcism. So uh, just kind of way you know, stylistically, I like to think of things um, from a storytelling aspect. But um, but then we're working on a on a project that we'll make after this but i'd say matt do you think it's it's pretty different than yeah. i yeah i'd say it's different it's um well it's different in scope to begin with because it's it's a series it has a lot of characters in it i would say it's more uh it, it isn't that slow build cell but it, again it's like a series so that's very different when you're writing a series pilot, you're really doing a different thing, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, Nameless Days, I would say is similar to Behind You, although in terms of the story, we wanted it to be 
kind of the opposite in a way, although it, it, it turned out being similar in tone, but um, because the other one took place in a house, one location, we sort of decided right from the beginning with this next one that we wanted it to be way more kinetic. We wanted it to have more movement in it. Uh, so the main character is like a runner. That's what, you know, she runs at school and there's a lot of stuff outdoors with a lot of chasing and running and stuff like that. So, um, in that sense, it's different, but tonally it's very similar. Thematically, it's kind of similar too, because you've got another kind of dysfunctional household <laughs> that it feels claustrophobic. Uh, the house we used was very cool and Andrew's father found it. I don't know how literally just driving around in the middle of nowhere, knocking on doors. He found this weird little house that this guy built himself. So it's very eclectic and has like stone and wood and it's all kind of strangely put together. It has a weird like glass brick shower in the bathroom. So, and that house turned out to be great, like just cinematically. It's, it's, it's weird, it's dark um, and interesting. So, so that actually, that, those elements kind of came out feeling very similar. And the father and the daughter have a, like a really tense relationship with each other. Um, hmm. So, yeah, but the, yeah, the, the the series idea is definitely different. Yeah. Yeah. So moving forward, I guess that's your next project is not like a film in itself, or is it the first film in a series? Or are you trying to do like a web show, a TV show? Uh, can you expand upon that? It's a TV series. We Ooh. we have another movie written that we're also possibly going to do it really depends on what what options open up um we'd love to do a series because it's cool um and uh, but it really depends on what what we can we're, we're in initial stages of that we're just finishing the pilot and doing all the treatment and stuff nice well matt when yeah. when uh, when we last spoke you had said you had expanded on some of your background in uh television have you ever done anything dramatic in television or has it always been like like news or or like pieces of like yeah, in television television was just like news and promotional stuff okay. like that yeah um yeah basically short answer to that no um, yeah. so, but I, I like i i, I just want to do a series seem to be like the thing now and it's definitely very different writing a series to writing a film it's cool to write a pilot and be able to create all these possibilities and not have to wrap them up in an hour and a half or two hours, you know, it's so different. You can leave things open ended and create possibilities and then just explore them. And when you're talking about it, it's, it's, it's such a relief to be able to go, well, we can reveal that in episode three, you know, because <laughs> when you're working on a film, it's like, okay, how do we present this and then wrap it all up in a short time? So, yeah, I like the series idea for that reason. Now, um, what's going to be the genre of this series? It's still, still horror-ish. Horror-ish. Yes. Yeah, but I wouldn't call it, <laughs> would we call well, now I don't want yeah, to it, I would call it sci-fi, horror, action, drama. Okay. Did I leave anything out? It's a lot. Comedy. Comedy. Yeah. You want to throw, uh, throw a little thriller in there, too? Drama comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of like a... It, it lives more in the fantastic uh, slash horror world. I think it's a little bit of those. Yeah, it's... Without going into too much detail, yeah. <laughs> well, everyone, you're listening... To the Red River Horror Podcast, uh, my special guests, Matthew Whedon, Andrew Meekum, they made the film Behind You, now talking about a series that they're going to be uh, creating. So uh, continue, Andrew. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Oh, no, no. I, I was I was asking, um, I think tonally, which I know Matt has not watched this yet, but has anybody been watching The Boys on Amazon? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think as far as, I mean, that's a superhero thing, very different in some ways but I, I think totally it's very much like that but imagine that had just monsters and creatures and and things like that i mean that, that's very much what it feels like that sounds amazing to me i mean i like that where you you'll build like that depth 
to start and then just slowly, like, you know, slowly build, uncover a story with different characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that feels that feels right. That feels like the best comparison to me. Not speaking for Matt. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the boys. Yeah. He keeps telling me to watch it. I should do that. I highly recommend it. I, I'm I'm watching it again. Second season comes out uh, September fourth. So I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, all in on it. <laughs> coming out that's exciting that's what he's been i mean throughout this whole quarantine he's like have you seen the boys yet have you seen the boys it's like no i'm trying to find <laughs> i'm trying to find other other horror movies and things to keep me sane until october yeah <laughs> true um yeah stuff has really slowed down it sure has but uh, have you heard anything for i guess being on the filmmaking side of it kind of creating something that has been distributed through you know all the streaming channels and things like that have you heard anything about theaters reopening besides what what the theaters themselves have put out like are, so where we're on the east coast so it's like it's kind of um everything's shut down and there's really no rhyme or reason to any it's just like no it's closed it's gonna stay closed gonna stay closed are you experiencing anything different out that way On the East Coast, are they doing the the thing where, like, like here, you can? It's only older movies, um, but theaters are open. Are they doing that too? Or you, you you're still going in? It has to be a group of people that you're with, or you're really spread out, and you're watching. Are they at least doing that? So around here, more of the trend. Uh, so we're like in the Philadelphia area. So we're go there. Down by the Delaware River, they opened up some space where they're going to put in a temporary drive-in theater. Oh, wow. So that, and there's a couple like dry, pop-up drive-ins that have been the case. Um, I've heard I've heard some things about doing like the vintage movies like that, but it's really not working for the theaters. Really? So yeah. 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 I mean, I have yeah, I have heard uh, at least around here things are open a little and they're gonna they're gonna show some things um, that are coming out I, but you know it just depends as, you know, now Utah Utah's had a very low Utah hasn't been that badly affected by COVID I I, I think California is still not opening theaters yeah sure. as far as I know yeah I mean it's um, I have a feeling it's all gonna change rather suddenly at some point that's my prediction yeah, I do too. <laughs> because it's kind of all over the place now, and you really realize, yeah, they don't really know. It's just kind of a, and I, I think all of a sudden it's gonna it's gonna change, and suddenly it's gonna be, oh yeah, we could do this. <laughs> no, um, I agree with you. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just have to wait for that. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, there there are some things coming around, and it's just uh, theater wise, it's just you know, like the Mulan thing. Um, yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. that was a huge release, and, and um, just the business model of that movie has prevented it. You know, how much money it needs to make theatrically. Is right. So, um, so that's really the thing that I've seen, you know, at least at this stage, is there are so many more people now looking at, okay, well, if this is the case, and we, you're only able to release a theater digitally or, you know, VOD or, or, or whatever it is, it's not going to be able to have a wide character release. Well, then you've got to stay, you know, within this budget range to make that work. And you can still, you know, that budget range is probably just sub $5 million. And you can still make you know, a, lot, a lot of really good movies. You know, if you look at, I don't want to promise, don't don't quote me on this or anything, but I think, like, Get Out and, you know, stuff like that, I was writing that budget range, a lot of these a lot of the films that have come out in the last few years that were just good stories and not not really big expensive productions were, were great, you know, and, and, and you can do a lot in that range, so um, there are a lot, you know, Matt and I know quite a few people around here uh, that worked on our movies or friends uh, that are writing stuff that are, that are starting to now make stuff in that range, so, so it's kind of either way you, you can live in that in that price range and you can still have a successful business model in that price range and which is okay anyway because I guess we were making 20 million or 200 million dollar movies anyway so 
that's okay. That's all we can do. <laughs> but in, in, in some way, it does kind of give us an opportunity and people of maybe this, our level of filmmaking, independent filmmaking can, can compete in that world a little bit. Um, so, I mean, if anything, I think that could be an encouraging way to look at it. Absolutely. I like that a lot. That's like one of my favorite things when watching uh, any independent film is seeing how, like, what what creativity went into it. And especially yeah. with anything with that doesn't have that much of a bigger budget, you know, comes either with the writing or some kind of effect. I mean, those are the things I really enjoy, like the, the craft of making a movie. Right, yeah. I mean, you hear, uh, you hear very much about Jason Long talking about his filmmakers and people that, have, that they're financing and and um, that whole school of thought is just that yeah the money the budget doesn't make a good movie it's just that, and what kind of creativity it forces you to have when you have to solve problems yeah. without the answer of oh we'll just fix it with money that's <laughs> not a creative answer uh, it's not to say you can't come up with one that involves money but um yeah, you're right. It does. It does kind of just force. That's a good, that's a good metaphor for for life too. <laughs> I mean, it really is true. The the things that yeah, when because when you're forced to use creativity and stuff like that, and it comes from the bottom up, so to speak, it works better than just throwing money at things. You know, it's like because you see a lot of directors who I won't mention any names, but they get a lot of money, and then suddenly it's all about visual effects. You know, and and Hmm. Uh, the stuff's not as good and you can probably think of some examples of, you know there's obvious examples you know where the early movies were done more practically and they're better more creatively and then when the big money comes the the soul kind of goes out of them yeah so yeah. I'd like to have a bit more money than we have you know because <laughs> anytime you're doing any kind of effects you know unless you're going to carry around a $400 piece of plexiglass. It's, it takes a little bit of money, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, you can definitely overdo that, yeah, for sure. Well, that that's what I, I agree with, with what you guys said to an extent, but I would like to know for myself... Uh, <laughs> I would like to know for myself if if money doesn't solve the problem. Like, I'd like to be in the position to say, okay, I've thrown yeah. money at it and it didn't solve the problem. Okay, now let's think creatively. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I mean, the thing is that I don't think the money has to do that. Uh, but it's like anything else. When you have a lot of money, it's hard to have restraint, mm. you know? Mm. And when you work on projects where with limited budgets you know you see like how much you wish you just had more money and when you get that i'm sure it's just sort of like you you just get go kid in a candy store and you're just like oh we could do this and this and this um if you can have restraint and use that money well and use the effects well to serve the story in the best way and stuff like that you know you can still do really cool things you know um, but you have to have that like kind of creative restraint and stuff like that. And it's easy for things to get carried away on a film because you have a lot of people working in different areas and stuff like that. And you're, you have to hold the whole thing together. And I guess the bigger it gets, the harder that gets. Mm -hmm. you, when you've got all these different parts. So, yeah. But you can do that, I think, yeah. I, I want a lot of money now that I thought about it. <laughs> See? That's the conclusion that I came to. Creativity in the top, down, bottom up. We need a lot of money. This is the talk of people Please without a lot of money right now. <laughs> we'll be different. We'll be the exception. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, on so it's interesting. We, well, go ahead, God. No, no, after you. I was just going to say, like, uh, we were lucky. We got lucky with this last movie because we shot on We thought we were really lucky because we shot it in December. So, yeah. nobody got sick. <laughs> we were up in the mountains in Utah in the middle of winter. It was freezing cold. I had to buy, like, a whole new wardrobe because I was coming from L.A. I didn't even, like, have a winter coat. So, and we were, like, you know, like, on any movie set, you're crawling all over each other. Especially mm -hmm. in that tiny little house. <laughs> Excuse me. So, but nobody got sick except maybe one girl got sick. I don't know what it's from. She had to leave the production. I don't know what that was, but 
but unfortunately we didn't get everything done we still have some stuff we need to do and it's more complicated now with the COVID thing with sag regulations and all this stuff just that was an unforeseen kind of quantity but still we're lucky we shot almost all of it we finished december what was it 29th or 20 23rd i don't know 20 something a few days before christmas right before 23rd that's right yeah so we lucked out with that and we had we had good people on it too we had good actors you know that that makes such a huge difference i mean we had charles halford if you know him probably don't know him by name but you've seen him if you i think he was in the first uh season of true detective okay he was in the first season of agents of shield too i don't know what his character was but he's been in a lot of stuff he's a really good actor yeah mm-hmm. and ali and really good actress uh two relatively unknown people uh alejandra Cara and the other girl <laughs> yeah. i'm having a senior moment she's really good is uh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, you can't remember either because I, I jinxed him. I yeah, but watch him. this. Watch this. Second. Ashley Ramos. Uh, Ashley Ramos, a very good actress and a very nice person too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's you guys haven't asked us a question in like fifteen minutes. We're just Matt and I are interviewing ourselves. Yeah, that's it's all good. Sorry. Go ahead. Shoot. You guys want to see my book in that? Yeah, I mean, we'll, yeah. I, we'll see that real quick. And then we got, what, only like one more question on the... Yeah, I mean, it's th- this is kind of cool, like what the podcast has allowed. Because the, the person, I produce a morning show here in Philly on the radio. And he's always, the, the host of the show is always just like, man, I wish I had more time. I wish I had more time. With, but his podcast is like a top 50 news podcast in the country. So... What he does is usually if he has a guest on and he's talking for a long period of time, he's like, all right, we got to do the podcast so we can get more information. <laughs> so um, so I, I kind of I like this because it allows you the platform to spend a little more time on making your points. So you're not just like, here's the question. Here's the answer. Next. <laughs> just, yeah, 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 yeah. I hate that format. <laughs> But um, yeah, so one of the questions I had, unless you, unless you got one. Yeah, you got the Well, so, you know, now that you have created a project and finished it and released it in behind you, you know, you were co-writers, co-directors, like how did, how did that help you with this current project, which we'll get into in a minute? That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, having the experience of doing behind you. Yeah, so like that was when we had spoken, you had said that was your first time kind of joining forces and releasing something, you know, actually sitting down, writing out the script, then actually bringing it to life on the screen. And now people have, you know, had a few months to be able to just see that. So like, I'm sure that process, although maybe not since actually based on what you told me, if you filmed the other thing in December, then (laughs) then I don't know. I don't know. Well, no, I mean, I think there was a big difference. I think I, I think we brought it up in the last interview that behind you is sort of a special circumstance in that we have Matt and I together a very short amount of time. Um, I a little longer, but Matt came on um, not far before we were filming. So, and we did a very extensive rewrite of, of really the whole thing. Um, top to bottom and, and, and came out with it. So, you know, Matt and I, before making Behind You, had worked together on stuff and we had been writing things together. We had made something, but um, that's where I still did, but we'd written things. And um, so we had, you know, the experience of writing together wasn't new. Certainly the experience of, of being, of directing on set was, but um, I think what we've taken, what's really been a benefit to us is is to be able to take that same experience that, that really wasn't new and write, spend more time and just make sure that we had a script that we were really, really happy with and wanted to, we could confidently say we're ready to go out and make this movie. So, I, you know, we said that confidently at one point that you start making it and you realize, okay, we probably <laughs> not made so many. But, uh, but anyway, digressing um so it was nice to take it was nice script wise it was nice to jump into that 
role as as directors now with something that we really thought through so much more carefully and stylistically and, and things like that. So I think we're really excited to bring uh, you know, for people to see that. See something we were. I think we still, you know, we we did better. Definitely had more time. But again, talking about the money and the production aspect of, of movies, there was still a lot too much time that we had to spend on financial stuff and other stuff, production stuff that took away from the creative. So I, I do feel like we were hampered by that. It was tough. Mm -hmm. Like we were dealing with a lot of that stuff as we were shooting and stuff like that. So if there's anything I'd want to change, it would be that to really have even more time to prepare, you know, because one, one thing you, you learn, and you probably know this doing even just a short film, is that with these smaller films, you know, you have a short window to make them in, and once it gets rolling, you have a limited budget, you can't, you don't have any wiggle room, you know, it's like you got to do it in this amount of time. And uh, so it's tough. you got to be super prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say we were super prepared on this movie. We were more prepared, a lot more prepared than behind you, but not enough prepared because we did get distracted by other things that we just had to do. Uh, so that's that's a big thing that we're trying to work to get things set up so that that, that doesn't happen, so that we have plenty of time for creative and pre-production stuff to really have things laid out really carefully. Uh, but, you know, on the other hand, when you jump into something and it's not super prepared, kind of interesting things do happen. <laughs> Even mistakes that kind of you can work in a way that they, they, they work out okay can be kind of interesting. So that's, that's kind of fun, but I, I would like to have more production time. I think that's something we learned on Behind You. We did have it on this, but still, it's, it's low budget and you're, you know, we put together the financing. Andrew actually did a lot of that. Um, I yes. helped a bit, and that—that's very distracting, you know, mm -hmm. to, to, to be doing that. Yeah, I can imagine that's. I, I don't envy you because I understand what you're saying. P putting something together and then having, see, when things start cutting into the time that you have to create something, I see me. I'm different in that I get completely taken out of it. So I always respect people that are able to kind of dodge those, dodge the incoming <laughs> and keep pushing forward. And it seems like you guys did that with this next project. What's it called? It's called The Nameless Days. Nameless Days. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. And and I think uh, we, had, we had spoke a little bit before the, uh, before today. Do you have something to share with us as far as a video clip, a trailer? Were you able to get anything together for us to kind of... Yeah, Enjoy. so, um, so what would be the best way to do that? I don't, um, would it work best if I just send you a link right now and you pulled it up? I don't, we could do that. As as, yeah. So I don't, I don't think the screen, I don't even think I can screen share because it's not my Zoom account. So I think, yeah. think we have that yeah. option. You don't want, you don't but, want us uh, to see what you're watching. While we're talking. <laughs> 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 Yeah, Disconnect yeah, yeah. this, and um, then yeah. If you want to send us that link, we we can. We'll no. You can watch us watch it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll watch you watch it. Yeah. Oh man! One thing that was a big hassle uh, when we were filming, we filmed the one location was all off a dirt road, kind of in the middle of nowhere, and it snowed a lot and mm. everything turned to mud. So oh, we literally were dealing with, I mean, a sea of mud. Like yeah. we had to, we had to, we had to rent a huge military vehicle just to pull other vehicles through the mud. I mean, it was just mm. nightmare. I'm just talking to Phil time manager. So <laughs> no, no, it's there. funny. I'm, I got the, uh, the star Wars scene where, uh, what was it? Uh, the last Jedi <laughs> with Luke fighting, um, Oh my gosh, who's the bad guy? Kylo Ren. Isn't he like like streaking across the ground and it's like turning red or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> I have like thoughts of yeah. that. Yeah. All right, so here we go. The Nameless Days. This is Nameless what Days trailer. Andrew Meekham, Matthew Whedon. Right, Andrew? It's not totally finished. 
you're yeah, seeing you guys a work are, in progress. You guys are getting a very, very, I mean, this is really, really? you know, realistically, before the movie were to come out, um, we'd give everything to a distributor. They they would maybe use an edit that we do, but they most likely would would tweak it and adjust it or, or maybe entirely new edit. So this is not an official trailer. It's really just something Matt and I put together. Oh, cool. That's that's fine. So just for the listeners out there, this 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 is in listener form. Uh, obviously, we understand probably sharing something is probably not good and can get us in a lot of trouble. So weird people are just going to hear the audio of it and then us kind of reacting to it with the creators. Yes, let's roll. It's like rule number one for everything. Slowly. Yeah. Actually, you seem more scared than anything. My girlfriend is still up across the board. Ah! Who did this to you? I was just an order. What is that? It's five days on the SD calendar that go on to a month. The time when dark spirits come back to life. Dude, yeah. Like <laughs> that. The serious thing stay for five days. We're on day four. It's not that long till sunrise. This guy looks like Jesus with the gun. <laughs> but that guy, that is, that is a creepy look. <laughs> I like that a lot. Guys, this looks really good. Oh, thank you. I was trying to remember what's in it for the sounds. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, uh, I'm sorry, was this the house that you guys were talking about? That This was the place you were filming in? This is pretty cool. Like, yeah, that definitely has like a nice, like dark, creepy look to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that shower, the shower, and we're right at the beginning of the trailer. The scene, looking in the shower, we we saw that. We just thought, man, we have to shoot yeah. something with this. It's just so creepy. Yeah. Well, I am I am thrilled that you decided because I was worried. When, when we had spoken last time, you know, you said you had met at a Comic-Con and things like that. I'm like, all right, so behind you is going to be their last foray into horror, and then they're just going to go, you know, make make stuff that, you know, Joe more likes, is the, the comic book <laughs> superhero stuff. But I am, I am excited. There's a creature, a character, that looks creepy as hell. Can I ask where you got the idea for the look for the, uh, I mean, we'll call it the monster, or... Yeah, well, it's... Um... I'll I'll butcher the way it's it's said, but Matt's better at it. But uh, it's called a siwateo, which is Matt. Do you think I was close on that? Siwateo, siwateo. Okay. It's a it's a real well, you know, real, but it's 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 an actual real. Yes, it's real. Aztec mythological creature, and the, they're really fascinating and fascinating to research on. If you remember uh, The Curse of La Llorona, it, it's not that, to okay. be clear, but um, but that was a creature that, that is a more modern version, still old, but a more modern version of this ancient creature. And so we thought it was really cool. We didn't actually get the idea. We, we were talking about the idea before Curse of Lawyer Rona came out, but then I had seen that oh, it's actually about this more modern interpretation of this thing, and then we were we were sort of bummed for a minute 
<laughs> um, but looking at it, we're like, oh no, this is actually still not even very close. I mean, based off the same thing, but this is actually more ancient um, Aztec mythological thing. It's, it, it's got a really interesting history. Um, that, uh, that, you know, there are these, just these, uh, there are women that died during childbirth that uh, would then become one of these creatures and would come back to Earth to look for babies because uh, huh. they weren't able to have them. And uh, that was just a, a scary idea, you know. And, and Matt initially really loved the idea of taking something, a story, and putting it on the border um, just because, you know, obviously there's, it's a really rich topic. Um, with what's going on and what's how much tension there is there, you know, whether it's politically or sure. something like this story, there's just there's just a lot to that can be said, should be said, shouldn't be said around it, you know. So it, yeah. it, was, uh, it was a fun thing. Also, also, too, the in the myth of the Cuitas, they they're they're set to haunt crossroads, right? Mm -hmm. Specifically, so we thought, you know. Back in ancient times, in Aztec times, crossroads would be uncommon, right? Because mm. you didn't have like tons of city streets like we have now. So a crossroad probably would have been like a distant outlying place where two major roads met or something. So the borders seem kind of similar to that, you know, like an, an outlying area where two things cross. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so, and actually the, the setting the idea for the setting came from a, a article I read about some people who lived on the border and they kept like finding people just appearing in their backyard like camping out or crossing the border and you know talking about how dis disconcerting that was you know to wake up and suddenly there's a bunch of people they don't know on their property so it seemed like a good kind of tent setting to begin with and so that's kind of where the story's set they live right on the border and people are coming over they're seeing like the, re the remains of their camps and stuff yeah and then there's this creature that and by the way like they appear they can only they can only come back to earth for five days which were called the nameless days on the aztec calendar and they were five days that belonged to no month and the aztecs believed that that was a time when spirits could come back to earth so uh, they kind of have a window of five days. Uh, you can't really stop the thing. It, you can't really kill them, but you just have to outlast them for those five days. Right. And then, oh. You know, so, huh. Yeah. That's kind of the mythology behind it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so we're seeing yeah. then this take place over the course of five episodes, or how? how's that going to work? No, we... Uh, the, this film just just is this five days. It, it's over the course of five days. So gotcha. we, we've just kind of... It, that becomes an element of the film where at some point they, they're going to figure out, okay, we cool. might have this long left if we can just make it this far. We, we really like that idea from a you know a rule standpoint of, of a creature. And, okay, how do you kill it? How do you do this? And, and that's... You know, Matt and I think have fallen victim to that problem that many filmmakers and writers do is that that's where things can really start to fall apart. You know, um, you set up this great character that's scary, and then oh, this is that's how we solve it. You know, at the end, yeah, we like it. There's no solve, you know, except outlast it and and run away from it, get away from it. Um, you know, them thematically, this story has a lot to do, as Matt said, with feeling claustrophobic, but we also liked. The idea of making, I kept using the example of Jaws, of, of, it, it's, a, it's, it's also kind of claustrophobia that you feel in a large, wide open space, you know, like, like the ocean or something. Anything hmm. could be anywhere and it just kind of falls off into darkness. And we like the idea of playing with, with both things in this. So we're, we're in the house a little bit and we, you know, it's just kind of the more traditional scares that way. But then sometimes we're out in the middle of nowhere and, and you're trying to create space just get away from this creature yeah and um as we mentioned this main character is a runner so she's good at that to a degree <laughs> but it was yeah. uh it's a fun thing to and the creature moves kind of slowly and relentlessly the kind and uh, there were a lot of reasons why we went in that direction so we kind of went with the metaphor of, of a serpent chasing a mouse so mm. she's the mouse and the creature is the serpent it just keeps coming you know slowly and relentlessly and eventually the mouse gets tired out you know 
Um, and that's how the snake can, can get it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, guys, I really appreciate the time we were able to uh, send it. I know we have, we're like an hour in and you guys have a lot more to do than I do today <laughs> on a Sunday. <laughs> um, but I did. I'm going back to sleep, but I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But I just wanted to let people know they can watch uh, the film behind you, uh, kind of what inspired me to reach out again to uh, Andrew and Matthew. And when we when we spoke, um, I kind of put like some of the links up where people could watch it, but you do have it up there on Google Play, on um, on Amazon. Uh Let's see. Yeah, iTunes, uh, YouTube. Yeah, wherever you might think to go, I, I, it should be there. Yeah. So that's that's the film behind you, and I'll, I'll link the uh, the trailer in the show notes to that film. Yeah. But uh, but when the Nameless Days is available uh, for for us to kind of to kind of see, you know, or share publicly, we'd love to uh, love to have you back. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. You. Uh, Definitely get in touch with us. We'd love to give you the first look at you know, as much as we can, so that you guys are. Yeah, uh, we appreciate your uh, you know your help and support and and uh, just interest in the pro- in our projects. So however we can return the favor, we'd we'd love to. Awesome, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, especially I'm going to do more digging because part of this podcast, other than film, we're also going to be talking about like lore and other like le- like urban legends. So like the episode oh, yeah. that comes out before this focuses on like an urban legend in our in the area we grew up in and like oh, so hopefully to do cool. like episodes of digs of like that of you know stuff like this so very cool yeah that's fascinating mm-hmm. that's great I'm excited to listen to that yeah thank you fellas thank you very much for your time yeah so okay thanks a lot nice to meet you guys you as well Andrew Meekum Matthew Whedon writers directors of the film behind you and the forthcoming The Nameless Days out there in Utah alright guys All right. thank you thanks fellas okay well I hope you enjoyed our very first interview on the Red River Horror Podcast with Andrew Meekum and Matthew Whedon two great guys two great filmmakers making some fun horror movies yes I was very excited to hear about the new project and we actually got a little sneak peek we sure did I'm really looking forward to that that legitimately surprised me I was not expecting what we saw no not at all so thank you guys for sharing yes and then once that's available we'll be up on the website for everyone to take a look at as for this thanks for listening to episode four of the red river horror podcast i'm joe zakreski i'm eddie Kayazo. and keep traveling those channels of fear